And now it's time for the TOT cast with your hosts, Chris O'Kranitz and Ryan Greco. And welcome to this edition of the TOT cast. Of course, my name is Ryan Greco. I'm joined here by Chris O'Kranitz. And Chris, what a show we just witnessed by Kyle Lowry. His uh, eighth career triple double, his sixth as a Toronto Raptor. I mean, uh, that's just incredible for him and just for the team in general. It was a great game as a whole. As a Raptors fan, it was kind of dull to watch because it was never in doubt from start to finish. Um, it was a control blowout, to be quite honest. But to see Lowry kind of put together the number and stat line he did, really impressive. Nice to see as a Raptors fan again. Um, thoughts on the game as a whole? I mean, it's all about the consistency, and of course, it's all about beating the teams that you know you are supposed to beat. Especially when you won the first round pick. It makes it all the sweeter when you beat them down like that. I mean, it, you're you're doing nothing but helping the cause. And, and above all else, not to get too much into it, but at the end of the day, it always helps to chase after that number one seed. And I think it's something that's worth even talking about even now, despite what Cleveland's doing. I totally agree with you. I mean, it's something you've touched a lot about off the air, saying that, hey, there's a real shot that this team can be the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. And I'm not going to dispute that. I really think there is a shot of that happening. Got to win a lot of games from yeah. here on out. But I think that's something that's a real possibility and something Raptors fans should be excited about. Think about it. Home court throughout the entire playoffs. The entire playoffs. Jurassic Park, Air Canada Center. We like to say we're the best fans in all of the NBA. Mm-hmm. You got almost hopefully four series to show it. That's right. Portland so, will try and argue with us about that, but so at the end of the day, see. <laughs> and that, that too, that too, those college mentalities there. But yeah. um, but moving forward, I mean... There's been some other big news today in terms of the Toronto Blue Jays and what happened down in Dunedin there. Um, slugger, yes. superstar, hero, the folk legend that is Jose Bautista. The man. Yeah. Let's just call him the man. <laughs> let's, let's all just... We all know what it really well, is. The man, he, uh, Jose Bautista, spoke today about his contract, and he touched on a lot of different things in regards to term, year, um, his overall thoughts on it, and it was really compelling. We got a clip here from Sportsnet.ca where Jose Bautista touched on his contract and on the idea of a hometown discount. Our hometown discounts, as they say. That doesn't exist. Not in my world. I've, in my eyes, I've given them a... I've given this organization a five-year hometown discount already. So I don't want to make this spring training or the season about my contract situation. And I have to be fair to everybody, including myself, and come continue to focus on playing baseball and be as productive as I, as I can be. And um, because of those reasons, I, I don't, I'm not going to continue to answer questions about this for, for a very long time. So I've expressed my interest in the past and my desire to stay here. And... I don't think I need to continue to say it all the time. I don't think he was wrong with anything he said, to be quite honest. And to take it a little bit further, it's kind of refreshing to hear an athlete of his stature be so candid when approaching something that's kind of really a precarious topic. What do you think? It most certainly is. And uh, I appreciate the fact that he understands the scope that he's under. He understands the situation around him. And uh, at the very least, he's being articulate about it. And he's being frank at the same time. And... Honestly, I don't see uh, fans uh, not being in his corner up until this point, especially being uh, the kind of iconic figure that he's turned himself into so far. Well, to take it a little bit further, especially when you say the iconic figure he's became among fans and the appreciation they have for him, um, he touched upon things such as term, salary, and a lot of other things that are kind of on the mind of Blue Jays fans that hasn't been answered yet. Take a listen to what Jose Bautista had to say about all of that. I'm not... 
willing to negotiate e even right now. I don't think this should be in a negotiation. I think I've proved myself, and the question has been asked, and what will it take, and I've given them an answer. So it is what it is. I, I'm not going to sit here and try to bargain for a couple dollars. Just to be clear, so you've given them a number, the number that you will accept? Yep. And Which, of course, I'm not going to give you guys. Your, yours as well? <laughs> so just wanted to get that out there. Yours as well? Is the number yep. Yeah. I didn't want to waste any time. If this is going to happen, I think it should be natural, organic, and quick and easy. It shouldn't be, you know, pull and tug about a few dollars here or there. Um, and I didn't want to waste any time. I didn't want to waste their time or their effort. So they can start planning ahead, and if it's not going to happen, they have plenty of time to do so. And they asked me about two weeks ago, and I told them, that's it. Going back to your question, there's no negotiation. I told them what I wanted. They either made it or it is what it is. A whole lot to digest there from Jose Bautista and a lot of interesting and compelling things he had to say today. And quite frankly, for the first day, well, technically second day of spring training for him, what a way to start. <laughs> what do you think? I mean, there's there's two perspectives you can take this from. I mean, the fan in me is extremely excited that he would be coming out and saying what he's saying and would be yelling at management to go, yeah, keep him. He's, learned, he's, he's earned every penny and he earns that deal that he's asking for and that uh, these are the things that really you have to try and do to just show the rest of the organization we believe in guys that put in the work and time and effort. Um, the player in me, though, bit of a different perspective because I find it fascinating that there's a lot of people and there's a lot of different opinions that are going to come, especially from the Twitterverse and from media and also from people probably even speaking to Batista himself saying, you know, I mean, is this not a big distraction at this time of the year and to be bringing all this sort of stuff up? Let's make one thing perfectly clear. Every single person at that spring training grounds right now in Dunedin knows that Jose Batista deserves that money. So no, it's not a distraction to them. They don't give a crap about his contract extension or his negotiations right now going into the spring training and even going into the beginning of the season. Why? Because every single person on that roster, in my opinion, I believe, knows that he deserves that kind of money. If they start losing, maybe it'll become a topic of discussion. But as of right now, nobody on that roster gives a damn. For the large part, I agree. And I kind of feel like you just don't want to pay him like you would, let's say, an aging superstar that's been there for a long time and you're paying him for time he's already played. No Kobe like, Bryant money over here. Yeah, like, I understand that you played on a discount for five years. There's no disputing that. Jose Bautista has been with the Jays on a team-friendly deal for quite a while now. Absolutely. And he deserves his money. I'd give him probably like a three-year, three $75 million deal with a fourth-year option. But we all know, it's no secret, that he feels he can play for five more years. But you can't give a guy like that a five-year deal. You can't be paying him $20 million when he's 40-plus years old. You just can't do that. It's just, that's just bad for business in terms of building a team that, quite frankly, is ready to win the World Series, ready yep. to at least compete for the World Series, and is going to have Troy Tulowitzki and Josh Donaldson in their prime. You can't afford to do that in terms of tying up all this money in an old player because he's been here for a long time. That's great, Jose. Take the money now in terms of the three years, four years max, and go with it. I, it's tough because like I do see where he's coming from saying there's no hometown discount, and there shouldn't be. But to kind of build on what you were saying with this whole 
player and fan perspective, I find that pretty interesting. I find that whole aspect of it really interesting how you say that there's going to be two different schools of thought here that are going to be arguing against it. There's going to be the fans and there's the people that see it as more of a business. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm kind of torn on who's going to have a heavier say here. I don't feel like there's one right side or one wrong side. I mean, do you think there's one that's going to speak louder than the other? I think that, um, to be perfectly honest, the business side is always going to speak louder if we've learned anything from Rodgers. Uh, that's oh, how it's always that. been. Yeah. Um, I think the best way to solve this, to be perfectly honest, give them five years and front load it. Front load the crap out of it. But the ownership doesn't want to pay that. Like we, We've seen that already. And, and, that's, but the, and that's the thing. It's, that's the easiest way to resolve this. Let's be real. And you can well, say that for any aging superstar. I mean, I, I know it's a cookie-cutter contract and a cookie-cutter proposition, really, what I'm bringing up. The easiest way to resolve it is to increase payroll. But we know that has to go through the board and it has to go through all the other loopholes and, quite frankly, bullshit that you have to put up with Rogers. Absolutely. And go ahead. No, so, I mean, to go through all that, you basically have to get an approval to increase your payroll to keep one of your biggest stars ever. The whole David Price thing, I think we're all over that now and we understand why it happened. Yeah. But let's say losing a Jose Bautista and possibly Evan Carnacion, I think that'd be worse than anything we've experienced. Any, that'd be worse than Price. That'd be worse than AA. That would be the worst thing. It's tough to justify that you don't have enough money when you've literally been running a monopoly in this country for the last at least 20 years. I, there's no arguing it. It's just they, they have so much money that it's, it's kind of laughable for them to be like, eh, we can't really afford to increase payroll. No, you're choosing not to. Don't say you can't afford to. You're choosing not to. And they're playing stupid if they think for a second that sports fans aren't smart enough to realize that. Look, we all pay our bills. We all know there's there's a Rogers box at my house. There's a Rogers box right here in my house too. I mean, and I, I pay my bills to Kudo, which is owned by Rogers. It's, so it's inevitable. It's there is an aspect that I kind of find interesting in terms of the whole Jose Bautista Rogers thing here is the people asking and kind of framing a lot of the questions are more often than not Sportsnet, which is owned by Rogers. And that's, so it's <laughs> interesting how there's kind of a bit of a conflict of interest here where it's. Rogers employees are asking another Rogers employee what they think about happening. It's just, it's just weird. It's a, it's a way outside the box dynamic there, but I think it's something that is not talked about enough, and it's an interesting narrative that is kind of can be misleading at times. I'm so, I'm so glad you brought that up as well because we, we had a lengthy discussion about that off the air as well about the idea of, of, of. It's funny, you know. I was even joking about it off the air, saying that you know. If Bautista was was more of an Allen Iverson type, so to speak, he could sit there and go, "Well, I don't know what do what do our bosses think, Shy, or what do our bosses think, whoever it is that was would, would be asking the question in those scrums." And that's no disrespect to Shy because Shy is a hardworking journalist. No, Shy is awesome, man. But He's to, one of but the best be, guys we have in the city. Exactly, and but I think that it's 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 a fair question. Like if he was that kind of athlete, or if he was that kind of polarizing figure. You know, it's a fair question to ask. Even it's like, well, wh- what do we think? I mean, we all work for the same people, and you know, and honestly, that's the fan and me talking. You know, it's it's the truth. It's the absolute truth. What else can we really say about it? Yeah, and I like to think that for the most part, they've been able to maintain a very good relationship between the Blue Jays and Sportsnet, like for for basically co-workers in a sense. Absolutely. Uh, working under the same umbrella, they've maintained a pretty good relationship. Yes. Aside from the whole fallout last year with Bautista and the suit and claiming Sportsnet didn't want to flip Devin Travis's bill. Mm-hmm. I think that's the only blip that they've had in terms of disagreements. So, again, I like to think they have a good relationship where things like this aren't going to be an issue. Mm-hmm. I just think it's kind of an interesting narrative. And I, I, I also wanted to be clear for anyone that might want to jump on it on Twitter and have an opinion about it. Let's also keep it real. 
the the Toronto Blue Jays are not the only team owned by a media company. Yeah. You got your Atlanta Braves. You got your Los Angeles Dodgers to a certain extent. You've got the Yankees, who actually, to be fair, they own their own media network. That's how big they are. But we're not going to get into that. But you know that kind of relationship and dynamic does exist in in Major League Baseball. But I I think something that kind of takes more of a precedent here, specifically in Toronto, is that this is a national company with just one team in this one country, and it's just it's it's not just a regional thing. This is a national thing. It's it's a lot bigger as much as it is when it comes to America and how huge their population is, how much the market is for them. It being just one country, one of two media companies owning the the team, controlling the narrative. It's just something that's always going to be there. And until Rogers doesn't own the Blue Jays, it's a narrative that's always going to have to be addressed when it comes to these sort of things. No denying that. Um, not to get too far off topic with Rogers talk here, which because I feel like we could go on for a while. We really could. It, it's, especially, hey, you know, there's a long tumultuous <laughs> history there. What do you think Jose Bautista's worth? I, I kind of threw out there earlier that I think a three to four year deal is appropriate. Do you agree? You think he's worth the full five? He kind of suggested it a bit, but I think that uh, almost kind of speaking off of what you were talking about earlier, we've had some conversations over this last couple of days. But uh, I would say give him four with an option of five. A team option or a player option? I would give him the team. I think it has to be the team. It's there's really no other way to go around it. I mean, give him his money of what he's worth now. Once again, you'd have to increase the payroll, but. That all ultimately comes down to how much does ownership want to win? How much is management willing to push for that? Yeah, I feel like there's a lot more external factors than there is internal here. And that's the frustrating part, though, isn't it, Chris? Well, because you know Bautista's going to – what he's worth. Let, let's be real. Like, On the open market, take into account that this is an extremely soft year upcoming for free agency. Bautista's going to be the headline name of free agency. You know what that means? Teams are going to throw $200 million his way. Okay, maybe not $200 million, but they're going to throw something in the range of – let me rephrase that – Probably close to $30 million a year for, let's say, the next four years. Mm-hmm. Are you going to match that? And God, knows, the Jays? God knows if he's sipping that big poppy juice either. Well. <laughs> I mean, he does train with them in the offseason when he can. I mean, it's... Bautista looks like a pretty clean guy, though. I mean, I'm, I'm, but you never know. I mean, no, 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 I'm not talking about... Like Brady Anderson and stuff. <laughs> what, what, I, what I really meant to, me, want to, meant to say about that is that even going into... David Ortiz going into his 40s, he's still offensively oh, productive. Oh, okay. That's Sorry. what I meant to say, right? I thought you meant because like, Poppy got busted for PEDs. No, 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 no. no. It's, it, Poppy's Poppy. He obviously is who he's going to be. But just being offensively productive even into his 30s, yeah. he's, he's, he's hit his stride in his 30s. He has. And as long as he doesn't show up to spring training looking like Pablo Sandoval, there shouldn't be any issues because yeah. the panda doesn't give well, a damn about that. <laughs> that man is still in his offseason workout. Yep. Hasn't even started. No. But <laughs> the thing about Bautista is... There's kind of the level of excellence, Blue Jays icon factor that goes into all this as well, where he's kind of a player that's worth raising payroll for if you're the Blue Jays, because look at he means so much more than just a right fielder. He means a lot to this franchise. It's really hard to put words to it because he's still playing. Mm-hmm. He's not done yet, so you can't have a true perspective of what he's going to mean to this franchise or what he already does. Yeah, And things like that, It's if you're the Blue Jays, do you want a player... That you can kind of say, hey, this is what being a Blue Jay means. This is a Toronto Blue Jay. There's only one guy I can think of right now that is kind of close to that, and that's Roberto Alomar. He was with the Jays for the better part of his career in the prime. Yeah. And there isn't really a player aside from him that you can point to and be like, that's a Toronto Blue Jay. That's what it means to be a Toronto Blue Jay. Jose Bautista has a chance to be that guy. 
It's true. The only other guy that's even close to that would be a uh, Roy Holiday, yeah. Ultimate Company man that just did yeah. it in the wrong era. Well, I mean, even he had to leave. It's true. Not willingly, but and, it was but the right decision that's, for him. And that's unfortunately. Even in Toronto sports in general, I hate to go back to being the cynical Toronto sports fan, but wasn't isn't that seem to be the option for all of our superstars? They have no choice but to leave because the culture isn't about winning; it's about good business. Yeah. I feel like honestly, I feel like we're the Vince McMahon's of of professional <laughs> sports. <laughs> well, at times the Toronto ownership can come off kind of like the Bay Street bullies in terms of financially just throwing their weight around and being like, "Yeah, we're going to do this. We're not going to do that." I don't care if it pisses off the fans. They're going to come anyways. It's. I just feel like I'm rinsing and repeating the same themes with this with all the teams. And it's frustrating. Yep. It's really frustrating. And and as a fan, to take away like the whole looking at this from a media perspective and uh, trying to be objective, it's frustrating as hell and scary as hell to think that this team could possibly lose Bautista and Encarnacion this year. Yep. And in two years' time potentially lose Josh Donaldson. And then after that, Troy Tulowitzki could easily follow suit. I believe it's a year or two after that. I know that's a really big doomsday scenario, but if they see how Jose Bautista is being treated through these negotiations and in Winter Carnacion, you better believe Donaldson and Tulowitzki are paying attention to this. Their agents are, and they're seeing how the Blue Jays treat superstar players. That's such a great point that you just brought up there. It's the whole regime. I mean, this is a trickle-down effect that's going to start now. It's not so much about signing Bautista long-term. It's more about how you treat him. You know he's going to huff and puff and make his big stink in the media and draw things. That's just that's just negotiation tactics. Yeah. But what goes on behind closed doors and Bautista going up to Donaldson or Tulowitzki or whoever needs to be locked up, even like a Strowman and being like, man, the front office, new changes, they're a bunch of dicks now. Mm-hmm. You know how hard is, you know what they're treating me like, you know this, that, the other. You're coming up. What do you think they're going to do to you? You ever thought about maybe playing somewhere else? Just just even sinking that into these guys that are younger because Bautista is the leader of your clubhouse. Even having that little bit of thing slipping in, I don't think it will. Bautista is a way better guy than that. Everything I've been told about him is that he's 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 Toronto. Mm-hmm. He's flat out Toronto. So let's hope that doesn't get to that point. But if things went sour, I could really see it going there because for the same way he's Toronto, he's also somebody that stays to his word and will make sure you don't forget it. Hell, AA at one point was Toronto. But I and feel like Bautista's they, more than that. And, and you know what? And, and you can have that debate. Yeah, fans really can, could. Fans can debate that. I mean, at the end of the day, look how they treated the architects. So we've already set a precedent of how they're taking care of the guys who built the house now, let's see what happens when it comes to dealing with contracts of the guys that live in that house. So we already saw what already happened to the guy who built it. Yeah. And the fact that, hell, even the guy who taught the guy how to build it in, in, uh, in, in, in Paul Beeston. It's, it's, a scary, it's a scary proposition. And, and to be honest, Toronto fans have a reason to be worried. Of course. Well, you know what? Let's talk a bit about the new guys in the house here. Yes, They're on the verge of potentially making a deal. There's a lot of moving parts still going on. Um, John Heyman reported earlier on Monday night mm-hmm. that there's possibly a three-team deal involved with the Blue Jays, the Reds, and the Angels. So it would see Jay Bruce come to Toronto, who's somebody that's been linked to the Jays all winter long. Um, Michael Saunders would head to L.A., the Los Angeles Angels. I'd hate to see him go personally, but... And then the Cincinnati Reds would take back a whole bunch of prospects from both likely the Angels and the Jays. So this seemed to be kind of on the verge of finally being done. 
And then I'd say, give or take, in the late hours of Monday night, Tuesday morning, Buster Only here tweeted out that the deal is dead for now because of Michael Saunders' knee. And I don't know what to make of that. Story of his life, honestly. Yeah, I mean, the poor guy, right? It's one meniscus injury that completely derailed what's happened to be a promising start with the Blue Jays to now nothing. Absolutely nothing. And to be perfectly honest, I wouldn't even want to see him go. But, you know... Once again, I, that comes down. No. Yeah, no, sorry. I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be opposed to seeing him go, considering we're getting Jay Bruce back. The only issue I have with Jay Bruce is he strikes out a lot. Yeah, and where do you put him in a lineup full of masters? You're adding another guy that, that kind of lives and dies off the long ball. And yeah, yeah. He's he's been slumping for the past two years. Last year, he kind of got it back on track. But this is a guy who, for three consecutive seasons, hit 30 home runs in the major leagues. That's not by accident. I don't care any whatever level you're playing at baseball. Three consecutive seasons of 30 or more home runs, that's impressive. Mm-hmm. So it's, what I found really interesting though when I was looking at him is he hit a number of doubles last year, 26 home runs. Um, his ISO power is still there. His WOBA, his strikeout rate was actually down a bit. Uh, his contact rate was up. There's a lot of promising signs to show that there might be a resurgence to Jay Bruce. Mm-hmm. And if that resurgence does happen, you're getting a guy that can easily bop 35, 40 homers in the Rogers Center on a regular basis. Scary thought. At the end of the day, we all know we're not going to get a guy. Jay Bruce is never going to lead the American League in, in uh, batting average. But No. I mean, what more could you ask for? What about him defensively, Chris? He's not bad defensively. I mean, he's got decent wheels. He's got an okay arm. Um, he does happen to play right field. <laughs> <laughs> so the interesting part about that is because he plays right field, Bautista obviously is upcoming in his walk here. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> Bruce is under contract control for this year and a team option for the following year. Hmm. Makes you think, right? I I would never want Jay Bruce for Jose Batista. I'm sure no fan would. I mean, like you said, Batista's more than just a player now. Yeah, I, I think they'd make Jay Bruce play left field. That's an easy transition. Yeah. It's an easy transition. He yeah. actually played some left field with the Reds as well. Mm-hmm. So for what it's worth, I think the transition would be seamless because he's already played there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he'd really just be here for his bat more yeah. than anything. He'd park him in like probably, probably the six spot, the five or six spot, and just let him mash. Yeah. But then again, you're kind of gonna lead that whole strikeout narrative of this is an all or nothing, living off the three run shot type team, mm-hmm. and that's just gonna creep back in. How do you feel about uh, what we're giving up for him? I think that's fine. Until you see what the prospects are, it's hard to give a true assessment of it. But if it's just Michael Saunders going and let's just say some lower tier prospects, I think that's perfect. That's worth all the risk in the world. But considering what the Reds are looking for in terms of a rebuild and knowing some of the scouts that they have up here, they're going to want something decent. Now, whether that's from the Jays or from the Angels is also to be determined. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's another thing that you just—I just—I can't give you a real answer. But it's—it's—it's it's, it's good that you brought that up for most fans that may not know. There are quite a few Cincinnati Red Scouts that work within the Southern Ontario region. Yeah, there's and two big they, ones. They—they know their—they know their baseball, unlike few in this country. Where do you think Joey Votto came from? Uh, that wasn't by accident. Exactly. And that was I not by accident. People need to remember that. And I'm glad you brought that up because it's only going to be a matter of time before we get Joey Votto. Just saying, but maybe <laughs> not. Who knows? I have no idea what's going on, Chris. I'm just a crazy fan, right? Like, hey, fair enough. Fair <laughs> That'd be something, though. Just talking well, a lot of trash right now. <laughs> but what about the idea of maybe Bautista playing first base? I'd love it. 
it, it's it's a it's not as uh, rough on his body. Although I do think it's a waste of his arm. So do I. I mean, I don't think it's something he would do. I'd sooner see him play third base no, when Donaldson wants a day off. Use the arm. <laughs> but that's interesting too. Yeah. But that's why I got Darwin Barney here to kind of play all three of those spots. Exactly. I'm just curious with how Jay Bruce would fit on the team. I'm not saying he couldn't fit when you stick him in the lineup of hitting. He can fit. Hell, he'll be just a DH. defensively. You know, he'll be a DH when Edwin wants a day off. He'll play left field most of the other days. I yeah. mean, here's the thing: baseball, as you know, it's not about necessarily even what we do in the playoffs. It's about getting to the playoffs. It's it's the only major sport of the big four where only eight teams well now it's 10 but really let's be realistic eight teams make it to the make it to the postseason as opposed to 16 and all the other major uh all the other major sports so it's so much about just making it to the postseason is an accomplishment you got to play and you got to build your team for the regular season well, I kind, of, I kind of feel honest. like Jay Bruce would fit that then because he's a very durable player. He's played in over 120 games, and I think it's five straight seasons. Yeah, and I, I think it's he's played in 140 or more games in five of four of those five seasons. So the guy's durable. Mm-hmm. You just got to put up with a couple things here and there in terms of strikeouts and yeah. sometimes not being selective at the dish. The real thing for me is if you bring a guy like Bruce in, what does that say about payroll? Is it going up? That's $12 million this year you're taking on and potentially 13 the next year. Are you bringing this guy as just a rental player? Literally for a one-year rental and let him walk? And I could believe it. Team option? I really could believe it, given everything that happened last year. I could believe him going for it. I just feel like Shaparo would be the kind of guy that wants players with term if he's going to acquire them. may not be a long-term thing, but having some control over the player for more than one year is something that I just see him doing. I can definitely feel you on that. I mean, once again, like you, you know the Cleveland Indians organization better than most fans up here. <laughs> and uh, I think given his history and what he's done, that can definitely uh, that definitely could resonate. But I think uh, something else that also needs to be addressed is the fact that I don't think anybody, including management, is going to be patient about what they've seen because it's all been about this build. It's all been about what's happening. And it was interesting. I was reading the Toronto Star today, and the front page, it was they crossed out the lines of wait till next year. Yeah, I saw and that. instead it was next year is now. And yeah. I, I couldn't agree anymore. And I think the idea of moving for Jay Bruce just um, it sums that up better than anything else in what we've seen. So do you feel like this new regime is still in a win-now approach? I think they should Absolutely. be, but do you yeah. feel like they no, are? No, I, I believe it. I think that... For for to convince me, we need one more starting pitcher. Pitching is something that everybody needs in the MLB. But you know what? Here's the thing about pitching: pitching is like goaltending in the NHL. Some guys are hot some years. Some some years they're just not. I mean, look at Justin Verlander. Well, you'll find it in places you don't expect as well. When you look at the Jays right now, Stroman's a starter, undisputed opening day starter. Yeah, Dickey's probably going to settle in somewhere in there as well, but he'll be in the rotation. Because he's got the arm that'll just last for decades. Yep. Marco Estrada is also going to fit somewhere in that rotation. Yep. This is where it gets interesting. Sanchez will probably fit in there, if I had to guess as right now. As scary as that sounds, because... Well, I'm not I opposed to that. Just, I, but I hold on, know. hold on. We get the bit about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. You got Sanchez still. Or, sorry, not Sanchez. You got, um, you got Hutchinson, sorry, who's going to be in there. Drew Hutchinson is going to be competing for that fifth spot, let's say, at least. As long as he spent more time training this year than partying? <laughs> I don't think he partied that much, Drew Hutchinson. I'm He's pretty sure he did. man. Have you seen him? Oh, no. I'm, I'm certain of it because he got he got kicked in the teeth by the league last year more than, than anybody on that starting rotation. On the road. He was dynamite at home. But he got his 
you know what pushed in on the road. Mm-hmm. Jesse Chavez is also going to be competing for that spot. Now there's the wild card. If well, I've ever heard one. Here's a couple other ones. You got a lot of arms they brought in on spring training invites, basically minor league contracts, to come try out, per se. Guys like Brad Penny, once a 15-plus game winner in the National League and very consistent before. Mm-hmm. Velo's back up there a little bit. And then you got Gavin Floyd, who is somebody that was with the Indians last year, um, another former 15-game-plus winner. He's, his velocity is getting up there a bit as well. Still kind of consistent. Maybe one of those two Wiley veterans can last for what? A month or two? Maybe longer? Who knows? But either way, that's still a month or two to product the ball. Got a question for you, Chris. Let's hear it. Have they uh, have they called up Cliff Pennington at all for a tryout? Buddy. A starting Batman pitcher or a relief pitcher? A <laughs> Just a little. And, and, and had movement at I 91? Know. I was at that game. Unbelievable. Just coming in there, just, just hawking it in. Could you I mean, imagine though? That'd be hilarious, Cliff oh Pennington. Oh my god, Cliff Pennington as our uh, as one of our long relief guys. <laughs> well, he's already signed elsewhere, so he's in Chicago. But God bless him. Yeah, that I was just, epic. I just think their rotation isn't as bad as some like to think. Yeah, if Drew Hutchinson, he looks the part right now. If the rest of it follows, I think there could be something there. No, I got belief in him. I mean. He's a uh, he's a student of the uh, of the ball program of the weighted balls program, yep. and uh, I never. Uh, one thing about those guys, they're one of they're one of two breeds. Either they're going to be absolute beasts, especially through their twenties, like a Justin Verlander, or they're never going to work out. And I, there's still plenty of reason to believe that Drew Hutchinson has still got a lot of bullets left in that in that chamber. If there's one guy I could say for fans to look towards. I'm not saying compare him to this player. I'm not at all. I will get scorched if I said that he's on a similar path. Look at Jake Arrieta. Jake Arrieta was very thin. Mm-hmm. He had a lot of lower body Lanky, issues. Kinetic energy and shit. And he put on a lot of weight last offseason. He's been slowly doing it, but last offseason it really showed. His slider was very dependent upon movement, much like Drew Hutchinson. Then he ended up getting a lot of other filthy pitches to go with it that mm-hmm. have always been there, but finally came to the forefront. A lot of people attribute that to him bulking up. Perhaps Drew Hutchinson could follow a similar path where he's a guy that is really dependent on his vertical movement and his slider. When it moves, that's when he's successful. When it doesn't, he gets ripped. But seeing this strength in his lower body now develop, maybe that's going to become more consistent now. You know, you're a pitcher, man. Without your legs, it's extremely hard to throw. You get tired a lot quicker. Getting Absolutely. past five innings is, a, is not fun. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot of issues that tend to start with your lower half. Your mechanics flail out. There's just a lot of junk that happens on that You're forcing the issue. Yeah. And, and Go ahead. Sorry. You, you can't throw with your arm at the big league level. Mm-hmm. You're going to get ripped. Yeah. So I, I maybe think that Drew Hutchinson bulking up here is a lot more of a positive sign than people are putting credit towards you. Like, you won't see it yet, but I think it's going to be. Quick fun fact for anyone listening. As far as pitching goes, bulking up has nothing to do with throwing harder. It has everything to do with just lasting longer in the game and keeping your pitches consistent. And I think that's something that a lot of people tend to forget when they're looking at guys, especially in how they train, especially how they prepare themselves. And it's, it's all about that endurance. And by Hutchinson doing that, we should be expecting him, that slider, to be way more effective going into the seventh inning, going into the, the sixth inning, hell, even the eighth inning when he's having a good day. I think he's going to throw a little bit harder as well. I think... You'd, You'd hope so. That's, that's a byproduct yeah. of it almost. 
you know. I just wouldn't be surprised if in the next week or so we hear that, man, Drew Hutchinson's got some pop on his ball. And sometimes it's not always about the radar gun. Yeah. You can just see it. It just comes in differently. Yeah. It just comes in a lot differently. Well You'll hear it in the glove. It's it's kind of a thing that you can't describe until you're actually at the ballpark, and it's just what some scouts will call an it factor. Mm-hmm. You'll know. And it's something that we'll definitely read or hear about from Drew Hutchinson right away. Yep. Hell, even even release point. Yeah. When you see that, he can let go of that ball just a little bit later because he can hold on to it because he can get the rip out of it in the seams. Whether Even if it's just a fastball and that fastball moves just a little bit more if it's a two-seamer. Or even if it's a four-seamer, you can see that stuff starting to cut a little bit. It's just, honestly, honestly, we could talk about this all day. We can make an entire podcast about pitching mechanics For sure. between well, the two of us. To touch on one last mechanical thing about him, yeah. um, he used to coil when he would throw last year, which would kind of help him generate some more velocity and some more torque from his hips. I'm kind of curious to see if he's still going to use that this year, considering he's a lot more beefed up now. I'm sure he will, but to what degree, I'm really looking forward to seeing as Absolutely. a pitching geek. I'm not, it's yeah. going to be a lot of fun to watch that. And I, I hope, last, last comment for me, I hope to see him falling down the mound a little bit more as well, using that coil, but also using gravity working in his favor. And just God only knows what he could do with that. Well, you got to be careful with that, though, when you throw a lot of sliders to the degree he does, right? He throws a lot of sliders. It's a scary thought. Yeah, that's a lot of stress in your elbow. It is, it is. When you fall but, off like that, because that thing is going to rip it out of his hand, and it's going to slide right across the plate. Mm-hmm. And the way his moves, like, we're talking, like, inches. His slider moves inches vertically. You know what that feels like. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> it is fun. <laughs> you want to talk about the Leafs a little bit? Yeah. Let's talk about the Leafs because you know what they're 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 my feel good story of the year personally. Like I, I, I haven't been paying too much attention to them, but at the same time, anytime I hear things about them, it's always it's always steps in the right direction. I mean, I've never been excited for a bad team like this in a long time. It's <laughs> no. weird. Oh my god, yeah. they're lovable losers. The, <laughs> they're the Eddie the Eagles of our generation. Yeah, which is kind of nuts. It is. Well, they've made a few trades in the past couple of days. Here, um, the first one was trading Sean Matthias. To the Colorado Avalanche for Colin Smith, who's probably an AHLer, and a fourth-round pick in the 2016 draft this year. Then they made another trade Monday morning, which is uh, Roman Polak and Nick Spalling to the San Jose Sharks for two second-round picks, both future second-round picks, more likely next year and the following year. Um, what's kind of bizarre is they didn't retain any money, and it's awesome. It's awesome. There was no reason for them to retain any money, but it's just great to see that they did. And my personal favorite part is our beloved Sweet Lou. Lou Lamarillo, that lovable mobster. I was going to say, it <laughs> sounds like the Godfather Lou pulled something off. The Godfather again. Lou ended up dumping a fourth-line center and a third-line pairing defense, a third-pairing defenseman in Roman Polak for two second-round picks. That is a Leafs move that the Leafs end up paying for in the past to now they are the ones doing it to other teams. And it, it was weird as hell, but I love it. I loved it. At, at the very end of the day, I, I could just picture it now. All the other teams, they walk into the room. Lou's sitting there with his with his prized white cat. And he's just sitting there in his voice with the rings on his fingers, just reminding everybody, you know, at the end of it all, I can always make you an offer you couldn't refuse, but at the same time, you already know what you're getting yeah. from me. You can trust me. I'm a man of respect. Yeah, I can see that whole Godfather speech going Meanwhile, Sammy the Bull, a.k.a. Mike Babcock, sitting at the side of the desk there with even more rings just going tell him Lou well, these can... are the things that we need <laughs> and don't sleep on Mark Hunter player development he's the one that's kind of overseeing a lot of things and making a lot of uh, roster decisions him and Dubas I'm sure they're very close by and you know what's even better about all of this 
the fact that we're loving our lovable losers, there's only one thing that makes it even better than all of this, is just watching the Montreal Canadiens absolutely implode before our very eyes. <laughs> well, they imploded to the point where P.K. Subban trade rumors were popping up. And bring, them, bring them home. Yeah, well, that, that, that's what was being said. There's Straight pictures up. floating around of uh, Subban and Leafs uniform and stuff, like photoshopped, yep. and it was it was comical. And just, that, He's not going anywhere, but... Yeah, he's got too much money on it, but it's like, at the same time, you know what? How great would that be? Because when has it ever been cooler to be a uh, to be a Toronto athlete? Now, just imagine the idea of a PK Subban. I'm sorry, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little fantasy. Okay, here, hold fan. on. Let okay, me, let ahead. me really up you your fantasy us. experience that you're about to do here. All right, because this is kind of fantasy, you're probably but going down the same kind of reality. Thinking, but... Well, we're gonna go a little past Steven Stamkos because that's where everybody's going towards with they're now over thirty million dollars in cap space upcoming. So they can throw the bank at Stamkos. Whatever he wants, fill it in. Put the zeros. So they can do that. Then they can go out and probably get another player. Then they could possibly win the lottery because, you know, the Oilers were going to start like a petition on change.org to ban them from the NHL draft lottery. And then when that goes through, the Leafs get the number one pick. <laughs> so, but all joking aside, they could legitimately win the number one pick. Yep. Then Austin Matthews is here. Then you can go a little further. Things are going well in terms of players are going to be coming off the books. You're going to have Bozak coming off pretty soon. Lupo coming off pretty soon. I mean, these players could get moved potentially too. But either way, they're coming off around the same time as, oh, John Tavares is a free agent in a couple of years' time. So you could throw him in there with, you know, the already stacked roster of Stamkos, Marner, Riley. Dare I even say it? Austin Matthews. It won't be too bad. And just to... Even make it even worse because now we're probably getting close to the cap limit here. But we might get this guy for like two years if he gets out of his whole deal with New Jersey. Uh, Ilya Kovalchuk has not shown up to anything in SKA St. Petersburg in the KHL because he wants out. And he's been dismissed from the team and is assigned individual workouts, whatever the hell that means. The KHL is in the playoffs right now, so they basically kick him off the team during the playoffs. So a lot of people are suspecting that he wants to come back to the NHL. Oh, a big shocker there. Come on, sweet Lou. Go on, sweet Lou. Go muscle New Jersey. Get rid of that little thing that he's got that New Jersey kind of owns his rights a little bit. And uh, bring him here just for shits, too. The Godfather the Godfather can make that happen. Well, I've noticed, too, with sweet Lou is that he's making all his trades in the morning. So I feel like he's either got to make his trades before nap time. Because <laughs> I, I love it. I love Lou, man. But old yep. people, they, they got to take their naps, you know. Yep. Yep. So I just find it really interesting how he always makes his trades early in the morning and it's proven too that on trade deadline next monday there's no reason to believe that pacific teams won't make trades before 8 a.m eastern time 5 a.m their time because guess what they made trades this morning that was real early san jose time yep. specific time so endless we do man keep working of course of course because at the end of the day we all know the kind of men at the level that they're at they didn't go to sleep they've been working through that that stuff the whole night 100 percent. i do find it interesting though how this whole fantasy experience that we're talking about of like the Stamkos's, Tavares, um, Matthews, so, so on and so Subban forth. at this point with all yeah. the rumors there. I mean, it's, it's interesting how it's actually gained some traction to the point where people are talking about it more regularly and saying, hey, this might actually happen. Whereas before we would just basically diagnose it as Leafs Kool-Aid. Mm-hmm. Saying like, you're a homer, you're this, it's yeah, never going to happen. Yeah. Like, go back in your basement and drop some armchair GM stuff. It's, it's never <laughs> happening. Yep. But now it's kind of happening. You know, it's it's actually scary to think um, we never have any conversation or any discussion. The fact that Toronto is able to put together consistently 
the most impressive class of NHLers year after year after year, yet a lot of these players never seem to, like the Tavares's, like the yeah. Steven Stamkos's, like the P.K. Subban's. All of these guys are Toronto kids. And Toronto's never able to either land them in free agency or land them in the draft. And how fitting would it be? Every every single one of those names you just named off as a possible target to go and go after these guys. And it's just refreshing to see that, hey, you know what? It'd be nice to not only see these guys do well, but see some hometown boys do it. Because even for the longest time, when was the last time we had a successful captain? Matt Sandin, Swedish guy. It, last time we had a legitimate goaltender that was representing Toronto the fullest. I mean, there's there's a Curtis Joseph, I mean, or a Felix Potvetner. Even an NFL for. Like, it's, I don't know. It's just, let's put it this way. We never really talk about the idea of a Toronto native even repping the Leafs the way that they that even some of these now Raptors are doing. And it would just be nice to see guys at a superstar level representing their city the way that they have. I think we're getting closer to that. I hope so. Because there is some players that have kind of signed in Toronto during this offseason, and they're Toronto natives, or GTA natives. Yeah. They get like Brad Boy, Sean Matthias. Like there's, and it's a there's big city. players here that are coming up. Well, And like, I know I'm nitpicking when I say it. It's just... It's not that it's just a big city. The GTHL, which is... Probably the best amateur hockey league in North America. It is. It's not a problem. Yeah, you know it, it definitely is. I mean, you're basically a pro before even being drafted into OHL. Like you're treated like that. The programs, a lot of them are ran like that. Even some of the coaches are paid. Like mm-hmm. it's it's a different beast. And anyway, it's been the GTHL game can attest to that. Oh yeah. It's you guys. You want to see helicopter parents on steroids? <sighs> We're talking about like dual propeller helicopter parents floating around and just literally. Every parent truly believes their son is going to make the NHL. Yeah, for the most part. Once you get to like the AAA level, especially like pre-draft year for the OHL, it's, it's nuts. Even the worst teams can crush outside of the GTHL. Yeah, and it is interesting that they haven't had many players from Ontario on the team, and now they're starting to slowly but surely. I mean, some people say it's, it's a byproduct of the Burke era. Yeah, I could totally agree with that. I mean, we had a lot of American guys. That's and right. You that did didn't really work out. You could even argue that guys like Tyler Biggs, who were uh, kind of the whole definition of the truculence and pugnacity and, you know, the hard-nosed guy that you want on your team that's a two-way player, dude's a bust, flat-out bust. Can barely even crack an ECHL roster. So I'm all for getting Ontario guys because there is kind of a correlation, too, between a lot of the teams that win Stanley Cups and the Ontario players they have. And I think there's something to be said about that in terms of, they're playing at a very high level and a very high competition from a young age. That winning culture and that kind of psyche that you develop of, hey, you know what? I am always have to play at this high level. You can't teach that. No. It's one thing to be a superstar in a small pond. It's another thing to be a superstar in an extremely competitive big pond. Yep. And that's what the GTHL is in a nutshell. It truly is. You know, you can say the same thing. Brazilian soccer, English or English football, you can say the same thing about... Uh, any major metropolitan city in the United States, hell, even Toronto basketball here too. It's getting a lot better. Just name, name, a, name a country, name a sport, any specific area. It's all about the cream rising to the top. doesn't matter how state-sponsored it can be. At the end of the day, it all comes down to who are you facing? Who would you last play? So I think we can both agree then that the Leafs are kind of on the right track. I, my faith is in the Godfather. He made me an offer I couldn't refuse. <laughs> I'm very optimistic, I'll tell you that much. And I, I'm still sticking with, I think, by 2018, 19, they're going to be very competitive. Because and people are sleeping on two factors. This regime, especially Mike Babcock, they have an effect that is going to be able to lure players here. And if people don't believe that, just wait and see. I like to compare Mike Babcock to Nick Saban in college football, where 
guys know he's a flat out winner and you want to go play for that because you want to be a part of a success story Mm -hmm. and guys are going to come here. And I just feel like that's really going to take over where you're going to see guys come in here that you would never expect. And then, and the second factor would be all the draft picks they have. It's not so much about drafting players with those. It's that's capital. You look at teams that are in tough spots with contracts that are RFAs where these players are about to become tough for them to sign, to be honest. The Leafs can now come in and be like, having trouble signing that guy? How about we throw you this pick, this pick, this pick, and we'll take them off your hands, and we'll figure a contract out. Like, they can literally go around and start throwing some weight with these picks and acquiring pieces or players they feel fit their long-term plan. It's something that people aren't talking about yet, but I wouldn't even be surprised if they went out and got somebody this deadline. And that's where the Pat Riley of the NHL comes in, and Lou Lamoretto. Exactly. And they're just going to learn to build a team really quickly. What do you think about TFC? I love it. I, honestly, just I was I, driving by. Was, uh, yeah. was, we were driving by Demo Field, and I was like, "Oh, that's cool." I drive by this <laughs> bad boy every single day, so we had to bring it up just to like close out the podcast. Very appropriate to say, I'm glad to see that they are finally, and I, I, I kid you not, raising the roof. Buddy, you were all jacked up about this roof. I was so excited. I came into this room downstairs telling you what's going on, and you're just looking at me like I'm a crazy man. Well, I just said they got a roof so when it rains, you won't get wet. That was my hot take. Yeah. That's all I had for the roof. But you were pumped. I, I'm very pumped. I'm pumped because I'm I'm seeing a field physically being put together that actually resembles something of a professional sports stadium. Professional sports? Like I said, that I thought this was Canada's professional soccer venue thingy. Now, I've got a lot of things <laughs> to say about Canadian soccer. We will share those for other times, especially when we get closer to Rio. I'm looking very forward to who we're going to be able to speak to in that time. Just stay (laughs) tuned, folks, on that one. I'll just leave it at this. How many national games have we had there that have actually mattered? You're asking the wrong guy, man. Yeah. well, I couldn't tell you. I I actually could tell you. Three. And they all involve the under-21 women's team. Nice. Nice. Everything else was exhibition. For all of the hoopla media behind it, and of those other ones that actually mattered, there was only one of those that actually got serious coverage, and that was also a women's game. And it actually also sold out the field. So, sorry, TFC, I don't know if what that does for you. Congratulations, you made the playoffs last year. I'm looking forward to them doing that. But I, you know what? I'm going to say something right now that probably nobody wants to hear, but it's, it's the truth. The fact that they've expanded that field for what it's done now, what, is, what are they going to have it at, 35,000 now, by roughly, the sounds of it? Roughly. That stadium, more nights than not, is going to look awfully empty. You think so? Absolutely. For both TFC and Argos? Argos I think people are going to go. You know, you want to know something scary? I actually see the Argos outdrawing TFC Ooh, on, I don't a know about that. on a night-to-night basis. I actually Let me explain why. That's a good board bet. Yeah. I I, I, I wouldn't mind throwing, throwing down some cash on that, and I'll explain why. It's new. It's fancy. Fans that otherwise wouldn't have been involved find it interesting to go out and check out. So the, the Argos tailgating. We talked about this in earlier episodes. The idea of tailgating, something that's really only been unique to TFC up until this point in Toronto. Yeah. Now it's available to CFL fans in Toronto. And I think there's a certain novelty to that in the first year that fans are going to be gravitating towards. The Plus also a novelty in the first year. Exactly. They don't have as they don't have as, as many home games compared to TFC. Their season isn't as long. And to make matters even better for the Argos, in a sense, their team's good. They have a good team that always has a shot at going deep into the playoffs, which is something that is never brought up for obvious reasons. It's it's the Argos, Skydome, nobody cared. 
CFL fans, I kind of find, are still a bit niche, where it's kind of an acquired taste a little bit, the CFL, and three-down football. But their fans are extremely passionate, don't get me wrong. Yes. Whereas soccer is, you know, the global game, it's the world sport, all this, that, the other. And we have a very diverse demographic here in Toronto and in GTA that love soccer or football, whatever you want. Pick, pick your choice. And I feel like that's always going to draw them towards TFC and wanting to check it out, especially when they bring in other teams for like friendlies and all that. The thing with the Argos is that fan base, how dedicated are they? Because to what you're saying, where at least I think you're saying, is that you think the Skydome was a huge factor why people didn't show up and why it was empty all the time. Draw 19,000 there is going to look a lot better in a 30,000-seat stadium. Mm-hmm. So maybe that'll be where the extra 10,000 come from as people see, hey, it actually looks kind of full now. I want to go check it out. Maybe you're saying make it more into an event as opposed to just another football game. Absolutely. And I'll ask you this. Put TFC in the Skydome. Are they drawing much better numbers? Oh, no If way. not, they're doing worse. Yeah, no way. They are doing worse. Well, that would be probably a terrible place to watch, like a soccer game too. Yeah. But even in BMO Field, man, I went to a few of those BMO, BMO oh, games. Oh, yeah, I've been to a couple games where you look around and you're like, hmm. That novelty, <laughs> that novelty that TFC had where they were selling out and they were they were filling up to 90% capacity, that weared off a solid five, six years ago. Now it's all about winning. No one gives a damn about the novelty of building a brand new stadium for TFC. They're going to do well the first couple of games. If that team sits at 500 like they have throughout their entire existence or sub-500, it's going to look even more embarrassing. Well, isn't that the cure for every team in Toronto that's not named the Maple Leafs? Win. Just win. Just win, baby. Al Davis said it best, you know? Just win, baby, win. <laughs> and that wraps up this edition of the TOT cast. Uh, my name is Ryan Greco, being joined here by Chris O'Kranitz. If you want to reach out to the show, be sure to reach us on Twitter at Tip of the Tower. Be sure to like our Facebook page, Tip of the Tower. Be sure to subscribe us on iTunes at the TOT Cast. And if you want to reach out to me personally, you can hit me up on Twitter at RyanGreco416. If you want to reach out to Chris O'Kranitz, be sure to reach him out at Chris O'Kranitz. Take care of yourselves. Thank you very much for listening and have a great rest of your day.